The following is a Bible study taught at First Baptist Church of Royal City, Washington. At FBC, we endeavor to handle God's Word accurately, that believers may understand what God is doing through history and what He has planned for believers in the present. We hope you will find this study helpful in better knowing God. More audio and written studies can be found at graceteaching.net under resources. And now, our speaker. I just felt rather strongly that we needed to take another week and talk a little bit about a worship that we were talking about last week. And uh, so we're going to take some time and we're going to look at some things, a couple other things about worship here today. Uh, and I know you've got a long outline, but you're going to participate in the better part of that outline uh, today. So let's have a word of prayer and then we'll look into the Word of God. Our Father, we are thankful for the work that you faithfully do um, in our lives. Uh, you grow us through trials, as uh, Carmen was sharing from your Word. Uh, it's through going through difficult things that we mature. Uh, and uh, we're thankful for that. You are a God that is faithful. And you are a God that is good. And you express those things by allowing us actually to go through things that sometimes will, well, they'll push us beyond what we're capable of handling so that we learn what we can't do and what you alone can do in our lives. And so as we look at your word this morning, we ask that you might uh, help us to, to think about these things carefully and accurately in that way. And uh, we um, uh, want to think about the people. I want to think about Clinton uh, traveling uh, this coming week. Uh, thankful for uh, Holland getting to the end of the, the student teaching, light at the end of the tunnel this week. Uh, these things and these other needs, we just uh, are thankful for what you'll accomplish and what you'll do in those matters. And thankful now for your word and the opportunity to turn to it today. Amen. So I want you to take your Bibles first of all and turn to Genesis 22. This isn't even on your outline. I came across this the other day and I don't know why I had never thought about this. I looked through uh, all these passages in the Old Testament on worship. This is a very interesting passage. passage. <coughs> Because um, you want to talk about you want to talk about facing a, a real challenge in your life. God poses Abraham a real challenge to Abraham's faith. Abraham believed God in Genesis 15. Genesis 15 is where it says he believed God. But we come to Genesis chapter 22, and it says, "Now and it came about after these things that God tested." tested Abraham and said to him, in other words, what he's going to do, he's going to put his faith to the test and he's going to say, Abraham, I want to, we, up to this point, if you'd looked at Abraham's life, you might not be confident that Abraham really believes God because Abraham's done some questionable things along the way. Have any of you ever done any questionable things along the way? Don't raise your hands, but you all, you're going to answer that to yourself and God. But he says, uh, Abraham, and he said to him, uh, and he said, here I am, verse 2. And he said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, of which I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, as Isaac his son, and he split wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place of which God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham raised his eyes, saw the place from a distance, Abraham said to his young men, now I want you to pay very careful attention here to verse 5. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go yonder. And, uh, and we, I and the young lad, we will worship 
and return to you. And the rest of you know the story. We, and, and this, and I actually came across a, a few different articles online just looking at this, and I appreciate pastors that are recognizing this. We in churches today have come to equate worship with music, singing songs. We put them up here, or sing them out of a hymnal, or we sing them from memory. Somebody plays a piano. Maybe we're a cappella. Maybe we got a band. But we associate worship with music first and foremost. And there's no church gathering here. Of course, this is Old Testament. There's no church at all yet. There's no music in this. He just says, we're going to go and worship. Because if you remember, as we looked at last week, worship is first and foremost above anything else. It is about you recognizing and communicating to God, this is who you are. And when you're going through, as Carmen shared and as others of you have shared and may share, we go through difficult things. One of the most important things we do, we, around here we spend a lot of time talking about relating to who you are in Christ. That is a really big thing. But you know what? Probably I would say is even more important is remembering who God is in the process of all that. And sometimes we do that in song. So sometimes we sing songs and we do worship. Sometimes I can testify I sing songs because I like the song, but I'm not really worshiping God. I'm just into the song. But I hope sometimes when we sing songs that as we're doing so, we're saying, God, this is who you are. This is what you do. And I was just impressed by this passage, thinking back on this, and I didn't include it in the outline, on the nature of worship. And remember from last week when we talked about this, that word that he uses here for worship in the Old Testament, what did that word mean chiefly? To fall down. My wife's going like this. Jim did this. It meant to fall down because that's how they worshiped. They worshiped by falling before a person, by falling before them. It's like saying, you are superior to me. You are greater than me. And I then fall before you and worship. Turn your Bibles over to John chapter 4. Just a quick review on this one. John chapter 4. Jesus uses the Old Testament word for worship here in John 4, in verse 24. He's speaking here with the Samaritan woman. And we're going just to verse 24 this morning. It says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Your worship of God today does not involve a place you go to down here on earth. It's not a location. We talked about that. That was part of the issue here, was there was a question of location that the woman was talking about. And it's not about a posture. In the Old Testament, part of worship was falling before a person. That's not how you do it. You may be falling before them, but you're falling before them in your spirit. You're falling before them as you're acknowledging who God is. And second of all, your worship is in truth. It needs to be accurate. What you say about God needs to be what the Word of God says. What God tells us in His Word is true about Him. And sometimes it's easy when we worship to say things about God that's not true. I, I was listening to, actually listened to a Christian songwriter that was saying, it is hard sometimes to take an idea and make it melodic. <laughs> and so sometimes you are very tempted to compromise uh, truth for something that is melodic, something that sings. Uh, 
I'm trying to think who the singers are. You probably don't even know. I think it was Keith Getty, I think is who the people were. Keith and, and I can't remember his wife's name, but they write Christian music. But he made, they were making the sense, they were challenged to come up with a, 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 a song that could use, and I don't remember, it was a big theological term. And they actually came up with it. It was kind of a funny joke that they were doing it, but I thought it was very funny. Ben. Well, I don't know that he changes it when we screw it up. I think what Paul and Jim, Ben is referring to Romans chapter 8, where it says we don't know how to worship. And in that context, if you look at that context in Romans 8, it has to do with the fact, kind of like Carmen was talking about, you're going through something really hard. He says you're going through suffering right now. And in that suffering, it is sometimes hard to get your mind straight on who is God. In fact, some of the things that you know about God are being called into question by your experience. And you're like, I know this is what you say about yourself, but I'm having a tough time recognizing that right now. And he says, so the Holy Spirit comes in. He doesn't say he changes it. It says the Spirit comes in, and on top of the intercession that Christ is giving, you have that later in Romans 8, the Spirit comes in and intercedes over the top. Now what he's doing is he's saying, Father, Tim needs this right now so that he can see your character. He needs to see this thing right now. Help him see that. Bring this into his life. Bring this event into his life. Do this thing. Yeah, the Spirit, do that. Do that, and that's what it is. So he's over-interceding. So remember that sometimes when you're going through a hard thing, and I hope a lot of you can testify to that, that sometimes God will do something in your life for you to stop and say, yeah, that's, that's who you are, God. That is right. When you're going through something that's really, really difficult. I was thinking about when I was listening to, uh, uh, I got online one of the, uh, both Sundays I was gone, uh, and I was listening to the Sunday that uh, Kenya was up here sharing, and she was talking about going up there with Kylie and her friends and going up and leaving those cards and how that one lady, they left that, and here's this lady at a car, and then that lady comes finds them and it's like I was just asking and and you know, like now that was something that the lady had asked for but at the same time what Kenya was relating at that time was that God used that to say you know this was the right thing for us to do it wasn't just some crazy whim God actually had a purpose in that that he was going to use in a person, and they never could have orchestrated that. You look at a parking lot. You know what it's like to go to Walmart? You look at that parking lot, and you see all the cars in there, and it's like, how would you begin to pick out the car for a person that needs that thing? You could, you could, put, one, you could put a leaflet on every car, and eventually you probably will hit one. But to actually have some, and you get that one, that's like, that's a God thing. That's what my, I like when my wife puts that. When things happen, she goes, that's a God thing. <laughs> you can't put it together. You could not plan it that well. You couldn't orchestrate it that well. So I would say that this is what the Holy Spirit does. I don't know that he changes the worship. I think that the Holy Spirit, rather what he's doing is he's over-interceding. So I want to look at one other statement here. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 because this is the only time, this is the only time that you have people, believers, worshiping like this in the New Testament. 
This is the Old Testament word for worship. This is the word proskuneo, which if you remember from last week, you remember what that word for worship that Jesus uses in John 4, you remember what that word meant? Oh, it's wrong hand. <laughs> what did it mean? It meant to kiss the ring. Because that was a way that you showed that somebody was superior to you. You'd come up with a, before a king, you'd kneel down before that king like this, and you would kiss his hand. You would kiss, and you would kiss the, the ring on whatever hand the ring was on. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, as we look at this, this passage here, 1 Corinthians 14, and look down in verse 23. He's talking about why when you come together, why, why tongues just shouldn't be the big dominant thing. Because these people love speaking in tongues. This was cool. There are people that love the fact that they were speaking in all these crazy languages. Look what I can do. And, and Paul's not against tongues. He tells you that if you read chapter 14. But he says, verse 23, If therefore the whole assembly should come together, and all of you speak in tongues. And then we have, the New American Standard says, an ungifted man or unbeliever. Now that word ungifted literally is, uh, in the Greek that he uses here, is, uh, and I'm trying to catch my word over here again. Um, there. <laughs> yeah, you're going to love this. It's the word uh, idiot. It's, no, it's not actually, but it's idiotase. We get the word idiot from it. But it's a word that meant somebody unique to himself. In other words, you get somebody that comes in, and I believe this is a believer, but they're not trained. They're brand new. Or they haven't been with other believers. And so they don't really know how this church thing works. Or the next person is, or an unbeliever. They're going to come in and they're going to listen to all of you speaking in foreign languages. Could you imagine if somebody walked in today and Dan Argo got back up, got up there and he's speaking Swahili and then Angie, she's speaking Mandarin and then Gordon is speaking Russian and we just, and everybody's speaking all these languages and there's no interpretation. The person's going, what in the world did I walk into? And Paul says there, won't they think that you are say that you're crazy? But if you all prophesy, that is, you're giving revelation from God, if you all prophesy and an unbeliever enters in, or one that is unique to himself, uninstructed, uninitiated is the way I like to handle this, he is convinced or convicted by all, judged by all, and the hidden things of his heart are made visible through that prophecy, comes to me, and falling upon his face, he will worship God, declaring that God really is here. He's going to hear those people prophesying. And he's going to say, God's really here. Now, this is at the time when prophecy and tongues and those gifts were still being used. But you know what? When we come together and we are careful about handling the word, about praying for people in the way that keep, that's in keeping with the word, when we're in, involved in, 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 in relating to one another the way God was, the same, I think the same thing happens in church when we gather. That if you have somebody come in, they go, God's here. God's here with these people. They're going to see something that there's different. But that's the only time that you have this word worship used of people in the New Testament. You have it in, in Hebrews, but it's used over there of Jesus Christ talking with some other contexts like that. So this is, this is what's going on here. Now I want to look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 
See, these are verses that we didn't touch on last week that I thought, boy, we, we're just not doing justice to this. And this is where now we're going to run into this, this issue that we're going to have the word pray, P-R-A-Y, or prayer, P-R-A-Y-E-R, prayer. And that word is used in English to translate a lot of different words in Hebrew and Greek. But chiefly that word is used in the New Testament now when we get into the epistles, it is used for the word that takes over for worship, prosukamai. And we looked briefly at that last week, why it cannot be the big term. It is part of your communication. And notice what he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You want to know God's will for you? Rejoice. Always pray without ceasing and in everything give thanks. Now the word translated pray in verse 17 is now our word for worship. And what Paul is saying there is you need to worship unceasingly. Now, I don't think my aunt would mind saying this, but I still remember this verse became very important to my aunt a long time ago. I'm growing up and we would go up to my grandma and grandpa's and my aunt was my mom's youngest sister. There's like 15 or 16 years between them. And so, you know, she was kind of the fun aunt because she's young and she'd do all kinds of stuff with us. But we'd be going around and all of a sudden she would just, we'd be doing something and all of a sudden she'd stop, put her head down and go, jim, 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 jim. what did she just do a little while later? Jim, 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 jim. What, what, what are you doing? <laughs> And I don't know how long this, this went on that I finally, I think, because we always slept in the same room she did. My sister and I sleep on this rollaway bed over here and she'd sleep in the big bed. My mom and dad got her bed and we're in there and she'd do that and we'd be like, what, what are you doing? And she says, well, the Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. So I just, all day long, I make sure that I punctuate it with prayer. Well, I, I don't know how else you would understand that if you didn't have somebody explain what Paul's saying here. What Paul's saying, and most of you have sat here and we've talked about this before, but what Paul's really saying is worship's never done. There are people that think that they can get up in the morning, open their Bible, throw open their daily bread or whatever kind of devotional thing they have, listen to somebody on an app or something, and they do that, and now I, and I pray, and now I've done my worship, now the rest of the day I've got stuff to do. <laughs> I can't stop and worship God all day, but you can all day long. All day long, something can come along. And you know what that thing can be? It can be what my wife does. You, you, something happens and you go, that's a God thing. That's a God thing. That's worship. That's how simple worship can be. Worship doesn't have to be this complicated thing. If we think worship has to be this big musical extravaganza, pouring out our heart in a song, well, we might do that throughout a day, but you don't have time doesn't fit in the middle of the day. Could you imagine? Ben, you're in PE class. It's time to worship God in the middle of all that. Everybody quiet. I'm going to sing to you. <laughs> you know? Could you imagine if that's what you were doing? But you know what you can do in all the midst of all that? It's all those things when you see things of God or God brings something to mind about who he is that you can communicate that back to God. And it can be, and this is what we're going to do in just a little bit, it can be very simple, short statements about who God is. You're never done. All day long, it's punctuated. 
And I think I shared this with you last week. Stephen Curtis Chapman has a song called A Moment. I think it's called like A Moment Made for Worshiping. In other words, it's like recognizing all day long that there are moments made for worshiping. Things where God brings things to mind. And sometimes it's not just that, oh, it's a great thing. Sometimes it's like, I just drove the car in the ditch because the road was icy and I was stupid. I've done that. Um, and you can sit there and you can sit there and beat on the steering wheel and get mad at yourself. And, Man, my phone doesn't have service and I got to walk and get service to call for help. Or you could, before you do any of that, you could say, God, you know what you're doing here. You know what you're going to do with this. Not that you put me in the ditch, but you know that you are doing this and that you can make this into something else. I had... I was telling this with the high school kids. Josh uh, and Jennifer were gone this weekend. And so we, we were in there and I shared with them that I had a lady that I got to know when I was working at the library and she came by the other day to bring me Nanaimo bars, which my wife wisely is sharing with all of you because I'm trying to eat better and I can't have a whole pan of Nanaimo bars, <laughs> number one, and maple ice cream from Canada. They're Canadians and they come down and he works down here during the winter. And... You know, I walked out and I saw her car and I was like, oh, this is who's at the, this is, I think who this is actually what, well, I don't need to tell you the whole story. I just come in the house, we sit and visit. And in the process, this, this woman is a Mormon and we ended up having a conversation and I have shared with her before, but she actually then tried to share with us and say, well, we're all the same. We're all talking to the same father. And she goes, I don't know why the Christian churches don't think we're Christian. And it's like, Oh, doors open <laughs> with a question like that. And Peg and I both had the opportunity to just kind of talk very kindly, not, you know, stick the Dobermans on. No, just this is, this is what the Bible teaches about who Jesus Christ. And your church believes that Jesus is the progeny of the Father. He's not equal God with the Father. And, and then it was share the gospel. By the way, I was called antinomian. <laughs> uh, because they think when you teach that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, apart from any works, that's against law. You're teaching people to be lawless. Is that what we tell you? Are we telling you to be lawless? People? Anyway, that aside. But that was a moment. I mean, it was both of us were like that. When she left, when she walked out the door, Peg turns to me and she's like, wow. It's like, God, drop that in your lap. You know, it's just, there, you, we couldn't have planned that. I've had lots of times that I've talked with her that there's no open door. This was a just, this was double doors wide open. Uh, and so there's things like that that God provides and those kinds of things. Um, I want you to turn to Romans, Romans chapter 12. I highlighted some of these passages. I've got a number of here. There's a lot, lot more that we can include, but in Romans chapter 12, I want you to first look uh, in this passage at uh, verse 9, because verse 9 is the heading for everything that follows. So Romans 12, verse 9. Romans 12, verse 9, it says, Let love be without hypocrisy. And then he's going to go through and he's going to give a listing of things that are all about an unhypocritical kind of love. That's what this really looks at. But as, we, as he's going through that then, in, in this passage, he gets down to verse 12, he says, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. And that word devoted is you're holding fast. 
you got a firm grip on worship in this thing. And he says, this is part, this is one of the things that makes an unhypocritical love, that you are holding fast in your worship. You are, in loving other believers, you are thinking and communicating to God who he is. And you got a grip on that in that moment. We don't always have a firm grip on worship, but what Paul is saying here, you know, when you're actually really loving other believers, which is what he's talking about, one of the things you're going to do is you're really going to be holding fast in your worship. You're really going to be thinking hard about worshiping. Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, when you go through difficult things, when you go through uh, things that are really, really hard, things that cause you to worry, Okay, I can all ask you to do this. I, I don't always want you to identify. But is there anybody else in this room that ever worries about stuff? Oh, come on. <laughs> Some of you didn't put your hands up. You're lying. I know that. We all worry. There we go. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, we worry about stuff. But notice what Paul says. You all know this verse. This isn't anything new. He says in verse 6, be anxious or don't worry about anything. But in everything by prayer. Guess what that word is? It's our to worship. Worship, it says, uh, in everything by literally the worship and the petition. It's interesting, both of those in the Greek have a definite article, and they're put together in such a way that says they're not the same. They're both something different. <clears throat> but in the worship and in the petition or supplication, after Thanksgiving, let your requests. We got four things here. We've got worship, we've got petition, we've got requests, we've got thanks. And we're doing all of those. He says, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that covers over the mind, literally is what he's getting at. All of the mind. It'll guard your hearts and the conclusions of your mind in Christ Jesus. Instead of worrying, you ought to be worshiping God. I have told you guys this story so many times, but for those of you that maybe haven't heard it or maybe need to be reminded, our daughter Katie, when Isaac was born, she had been really, really sick with COVID. Really sick, bad. She was sleeping in their family room downstairs to get from where she was sleeping to the bathroom was about that far to the door, to my office door. And she had to get on the floor and crawl in there because she was so weak. The fever broke on Thanksgiving Day and we get a call at about midnight we're going to the hospital, Kate's in labor. And she delivers this healthy little boy, but then we get news from Aaron, but the doctors are keeping her here because the COVID has caused problems with her blood and they're afraid, essentially afraid that she might start bleeding uncontrollably. And dad goes into super dad worry mode. <laughs> And I am worried sick, and I'm worried, and I'm worried, and I'm worried, and I'm worried. And I said, this is stupid. I'm always telling people how not to worry, and I'm doing it. And I know who you are, God. And for me, I had to, we were cleaning house, because you got to get rid of all that COVID junk. <laughs> so we're scouring the house while they're gone. And I went and sat at the kitchen table, or the dining room table. And I just walked through God's history. You created all of this. You got her. You flooded the whole world and saved Noah and his family. You got this. 
you called Abraham a man that was old and had no kids and you gave him a child and brought that family out. You've got this. You took the sons of Israel through the Red Sea. You've got this. And I just went through story, and I'm going way fast with you, but story after story after story after story about God until I got down to, and your son Jesus Christ died on the cross for sins, and you raised him from the dead never to die again. She has been, is, and always will be in your care. And if you choose to take her home, that's your plan and purpose, and you are a good God, and you can do that. If you choose that she lives, that's your purpose. And you know what happened? And I can honestly say this, that worry was gone. I mean, it was just gone. We can worry. God says, don't worry. Worship him and make requests to God. This is part of what we're talking about what we do as a church. I want you to look at this guy here, Colossians chapter 4. Almost done with this part. This is it. Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4, verse 12. Paul's going through and he's mentioning people that they know and people maybe they don't know, but he says, Epaphras, who is one of your number, that is, he's part of your church, part of your group. He's a bond slave of Jesus Christ. He sends his greetings, always, notice this, laboring earnestly for you in his prayers. I don't like the word laboring there because that's not the word. In the Greek, it's the word agonizomai. Guess what English word we get from the word agonizomai? Agonize. He says he agonizes over you in his worship. In other words, how, how do you do that? This is the problem we have. We have this word that says, I pray for you. I pray for you. I pray for you. And we read that, oh, he's asking for me, which probably is what's going on. But when he uses that word pray, he's talking about worshiping. It's like, I'm worshiping you, God. I'm thinking about who God is. And in the midst of thinking about who God is, I'm thinking, you're a powerful God. And my brother Dwight right now, he's going through something. He needs to be able to reckon with your power right now. You're a God of all peace. My brother stands, going to the doctor. Give he and Linda peace. Help them to recognize your great peace. This is what he's doing. He says, and he agonizes over you. He thinks of you people and the needs that you have as he's concerned for you. And he worships God around you. For most of us as Christians, our prayer is, so-and-so sick, make them better. 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 This person has problems, make them go away. Isn't that the way kind of we tend to pray? And how often do we stop and say, these people are sick. <coughs> Help them to learn whatever aspect of your character they need. Help them to recognize it. This is the way I pray. You probably hear that up here. But this is the way, this is the way we can communicate to God. No, I have, a, I have a verse there on the bottom that we're not going to look at. It's in Acts chapter 4. I love it. It's where Peter and John have been threatened. They come back to the church and they say, we've been threatened. And the church goes, oh God, these people threatened us. Beat them up for us. <laughs> you know? No. That's not what they do. They come and they say, God, you know what? You're the God that made heavens and earth and created everything in it. They think of God's power. And everything that happened to Jesus Christ in this city... Every last part of it, even these men, they named people by name. Those people, they did everything you planned. 
what's all that doing? It's saying, number one, you're a God that's powerful. Number one, you're a God of order, this creation. Number three, everything that happened with Jesus Christ went exactly according to your plan. And so they say, as a result of that, now you go take care of these guys. No, they don't do that. They say, grant us boldness. We've been threatened, but you grant us boldness to continue proclaiming your word even though we've been threatened. <laughs> so sometimes worship is big. It's like that there in Acts 4. But sometimes worship is simple. So we're going to try something really different. I asked Pastor Jesus if we could use these today. Oh, oh, oh okay. Don't do that. Don't do that. Boy, I don't know how they managed to do this. I think it's because we're out here. Let me turn the volumes down. Wow. See, I'm not used to doing this. This is what they do all the time. Okay, so I am... And I'm, I, I put these up here, but I don't know what order you got these in. Do you have two? No. Those aren't yours? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh. So take <laughs> <laughs> No, take those. Just, so click it on and then shut it off when you're done. Just put the switch on. I'm going to do the same thing over here. So, and, uh, so we'll have Stan, if you want to just read yours. And then just we're just going to pass it around. I'll help pass these around. In order or not? It doesn't have to be in order. You're just going to read whatever one you have. And do we do both? Yes. We're going to read this. Yes. Who do you want to go first? I don't care. I'm having Stan and Linda go first. Just listen carefully. There is no injustice with God. Romans 9, 14. Did that come through? Yeah. Could hold the mic just a hair closer when we do that. But Linda, it's your turn now. God is able to be powerful. Hold, hold the mic up a little closer to your mouth. God is powerful. God is able. Powerful. Romans 4.21 and 11.23 and 2 Corinthians 9. Or 9. No partiality with God, Romans 2.11. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their petitions. First Peter three twelve. Romans fifteen verse thirteen. I pray that God the source of hope 
pursuing you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 11:36. But for from him and through him and him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Are we supposed to read just what's on the paper? Are we supposed to read the you can just read it, what's on the paper. You can just read what's on the paper. Way easier than I thought. <laughs> uh, God of glory, Ephesians 1 17. And God is love, 1 John 4 8. Uh, God of peace, Romans 15 33 and 16 20. Him who is able to far more abundantly beyond all we ask or think, Ephesians 2 20. Colossians 1 16. Colossians 1 16. All things were created by Him. Hebrews 12 29. God is a consuming fire. God is one, Galatians 3.20. God is not unrighteous, Hebrews 6.10. God is wiser and stronger, 1 Corinthians 1.25. God is good, a peace, not chaos, 1 Corinthians 14.33. God's wrath comes from Ephesians 5, 6, and God of peace, Philippians 4, 9. All things are held together by him, Colossians 1, 17. God being rich in mercy, Ephesians 2, 4. Creator blessed into the ages, Romans 1.25, the faithful and true witness, Revelations 3.14. God is light, 1 John 1.5. From whom every family is named, Ephesians 3.14. God of all the glory, Acts 7 2. 2 Corinthians 1 3 says the God of all comfort, and 1 Thessalonians 1 9, the living and true God. God, God of love and peace, 2 Corinthians 13 11. Acts 2.24, Knower of Hearts. Hebrews 1.8, God's throne is forever. God of heavens, Revelations 11.13. He is preeminent over all things, Colossians 1.17. Who has been his counselor, who gave to him that he should be repaid, Romans 11.34-35. Ephesians 3.10, God who has created all things. 1 Corinthians 1.9, 1 
10.13 and 2 Corinthians 1.18, God is faithful, and 1 Peter 5.10, God of all grace. Okay, I hope none of you go, oh, Tim comes up with crazy things for us to do. <laughs> But I was reading through these, and I, I had this list of all these things. that These are all the ones that you just were reading through. And I, I was thinking, you know what? I want all of us to participate in this. But I want you to see, like, like uh, this one. God is able. God is able. That's in the middle of a statement about something. God is able. Or the God of hope, Romans 15, 13. It's just, just these little statements to sometimes just remind us, worship doesn't have to be these big, long, drawn-out, complicated things. Sometimes it's just these very simple, the God of peace. It's just simple statements about God that sometimes we need to remember in the midst of the things we're going through. Maybe like the Philippians chapter 4, rather than worrying, remember the God of peace. So when we're talking about worship and we're talking about the role of worship in the church, and I want you to make this connection now, you saw, we just looked at some verses here a little bit ago that talked about people doing some of these things together and how people did this together. You know, one of the things that you can do for your brothers and sisters in Christ is that when they are going through things, maybe they come and they say, hey, do you know what just happened? This thing like there that you can say, God is a powerful God and he plans things better than we can imagine. And that could be worship. And they go, yes, thank you for reminding that. Or they come in and they're, they're like, oh man, there's this challenge. And then you can remind them, God's a God of peace. And God's a powerful God that can take you through this. And you can remind them of those things as well as reminding yourself. That's part of functioning together as the body of Christ is to be reminding people about who Jesus Christ is. Once in a while we sit around, we get talking about the world falling apart, politics and things like that. And I always like Josh Fanning that he comes in in the midst of that and he says, even so, come Lord Jesus. <laughs> One of the last things you read in the book of Revelation. Let's have a word of prayer as we close. Father, we're thankful for the time you've given us together today. We're thankful for the fact that the God that you are, that you are worthy of worship. If we would spend eternity bowing before you, doing as those uh, spirit beings do around, up the, around the throne, saying nothing but holy, 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 holy art is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. You would be fully worthy that we would do that. But you allow us to do all kinds of different things as part of our worship as we communicate these different characteristics about you and as we will do those and even as we will be examples of that worship in the future, but help us to realize we can even be examples of that now. Thankful for this time together, for these people as they participated in good sports and something. And we ask it would not just have been just a uh, brief activity, but something that actually is good for us, helpful for us as believers to think about what it really means to be people that worship. Amen.